So speaking about student ministry uh, and students, when I was in high school, I experimented with this thing called emo. Uh-huh, yeah, uh-huh, oh yeah. Emo, so if you're wondering what emo is, emo is a type of, I would say, I'll go with the music version. Uh, it's a music that's kind of expressed through emotions and lyrics, uh, mostly about how, you know, they disagree with your parents and systems in the government. And so I went so far away, like far into emo that I joined a punk rock band. Uh-huh, yep, this, I'm going to soak that in for a sec. Punk rock band, I actually had Liberty Spikes. If you wonder what those are, basically just imagine your hair with egg yolk and glue with spikes all over it. There's only one video out there with myself and the band playing, and my dad has it. I was going to bring it, but I just, you know, I just couldn't. This... I just, I just, just couldn't. Uh, so I traveled all throughout Ohio. Uh, my band, we were called Indiscreet, because you're probably wondering, what was the band name? Indiscreet, because we weren't so discreet. So we traveled through Ohio. We did some uh, venues in Ohio, and we're like, oh, this is so great. This is awesome. Uh, so I experimented with it, because I wanted an experience like no other. See, I also experimented with the chess club, Spanish club, drama club, varsity football, varsity basketball. It was a small town. Like, so if you're like, oh, there's thousands of kids. No, I graduated with 60. We knew each other. So it, you could be anything. Uh, you could be in a marching band. So I experimented so much in, uh, in high school because I wanted experience like no other. Well, what kind of happened with the punk band is we actually got kicked out of some venues. Some of my friends got into cocaine and drugs. More drugs than cocaine. And I saw them being carried off to jail. And I realized, wow, this, this is not really fulfilling. Now, I'm not the only one who probably experienced with something like this in high school, right? Yeah, Nirvana, grunge. Yeah, taking your flannel shirt and wrapping around your waist. Oh, you're a rebel. Right? How about this? Hair bands, metal bands, Def Leppard. Put a little eyeliner and grow out your hair. Uh-huh, twisted sister. Your students are like, what is he talking about? Yeah, it's, it's beyond dubstep, so there you go. See, we all experimented with these things because why? Because we wanted experience like no other. We wanted to try something. We want to try it our way because we want to be satisfied our way. And that's the issue that we kind of have today, isn't it? It's called autonomy. And autonomy is defined uh, as we're independent beings with the right to do what we want to do, when, where, and how we want to do it. In other words, it could be defined as self-sufficiency. Right, the belief that I have everything within me to do it my way, and it'll be right. I'm self-sufficient. I don't need anything. I just need my, my music, my sports, and I'm fine. I'm good my way. And sometimes we take our experiences and our experiments to God and say, hey, make this work. 
right? You take your plans in front of God, that joke. You wanna make God laugh to tell him your plans. But we do it, sometimes daily. And your relationship depends on God, depending on if it works out or not, doesn't it? Oh, God must not love me because I didn't get that job. God must not love me because I didn't get my car, the house, the dream I wanted. Because we want to be self-sufficient. Or you may not, or when you probably hand your plans to God, you're probably like, you know what, this is too difficult. There's no way this is going to work out. So God, you and I, we just won't even bother it. Why even try it? Which is still autonomy, your way. We fill our time with experiences. We fill it with, you know, maybe it's a different job. Maybe it's changing the family dynamics. Maybe it's school, grades, sports, and the list can go on. We throw these experiments together throughout the year because we're trying so hard to have an experience like no other. We want an experience that's going to change our lives, be radical. And we find out they come empty, don't they? Well, the Bible actually speaks to this. And so we're going to look at Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes speaks into this pursuit of this happiness through experience. And Solomon, who's the writer of Ecclesiastes, constantly uses a phrase in Ecclesiastes that reveals that everything, when it's put into the right perspective, as he says, is just chasing after the wind. But in Hebrew, it's not, that phrase is actually more chasing after smoke. And what is smoke? Like you could see it, but right when you grasp smoke, what happens? It disappears. It's an illusion. And what Solomon is saying is, you chase that smoke, you end up empty. And so, if you don't mind turning with me to Ecclesiastes, we're going to look at chapter 2, we're going to look at verses 18 through 26, and if you don't have a Bible, there's a Bible in front of you. Uh, if you don't have a Bible at home, please take that, that is yours. Uh, and if you're wondering what page that is, it's 449. And if you're like, that's old, students, you can grab your phones. Parents, uh, go to our Bible app and look at events. If you hit events, hit Fellowship Asheville, and you can follow along. And that Bible app actually has our notes. So if you want to follow along today, please do so through our Bible app. Um, I'm going to pray real quick before we dive into Scripture. God, thank you so much for this morning. Thank you so much for the students and their parents and our volunteers uh, that were willing to wake up early to come to this service and to love on the church that has so loved us. And so, Lord, we thank you so much um, for your word. And God, we just pray that it will penetrate our hearts of stone to make it flesh, God. And that maybe we lean on you and not our own understandings. And pray these things in your name. Amen. So you want to read with me? It'd be great. We're going to start at verse 18. And Solomon says, I hated all my toil, in which I toil under the sun, seeing that I must leave it to the man who will come after me. And who knows whether he will be wise or a fool, yet he will be master of all for which I toiled and used my wisdom under the sun. This also is vanity. So I turned about and gave my heart up to despair, 
over all the toil of my labors under the sun. Because sometimes a person who has toiled with wisdom and knowledge and skill must leave everything to be enjoyed by someone who, didn't, who did not toil for it. This also is vanity, a great evil. What has a man from all the toil and striving of heart with which he toils beneath the sun? For all his days are full of sorrow, and his work is a vexation. Even in the night, his heart does not rest. This also is vanity. <laughs> Aren't you glad you're here this morning? Yeah, he woke up to this. Um, Solomon says that he ended up hating everything. Everything he toiled from, he was like, it's pointless, it's worthless. Because why? Because I'm going to die and somebody else is going to get it. All that he had built, all he had accumulated was worthless. Because he, he knew he couldn't take it with him. He was going to have to leave it in the hands of somebody else and the one who would follow him, which was his son, and his son actually split the kingdom. It became two different kingdoms. So he knew who was going to receive the kingdom, which he built, which was his son, who split the two, who split the kingdom in two. Yeah. And I want you to know his progression. He hates his labor, which leads him into despair. Solomon is depressed. And this is the inescapable ending of a life spent looking for experiences rather than a relationship with God. Solomon tried being this independent being, doing it his way. And he realized that's not what it was meant to be. He realized that it's not working out. And what he accomplished, he labeled as vanity, striving after the wind, or chasing smoke. His experience became meaningless. But we're not too far off with Solomon, are we? Every car you've ever owned and will, will own will end up in a junkyard. I know this because I was a mechanic. When I was overseas, we blew up vehicles because we didn't want vehicles to be used again. Every student's, every report card will probably end up in the trash at some time. Your parents will hang on to it, they move, and then it's going to end up in the trash. Or it'll be erased from the computer. Every shirt will probably end up in Goodwill or Salvation Army. Your shoes will get holes and you can once again end up somewhere else. Everything fades. So what's the point? You know, and in reality, if we look at each other, there's always going to be somebody smarter. There's always going to be somebody prettier. There's always going to be somebody faster. There's always going to be somebody who's better at anything that we try to strive after. So what's the point? It's going to end up somewhere else. Somebody else is going to own it. So where are your experiments and experiences getting you? Where are they taking you? Are they taking you to the place, to the destination you want to go? 
or they're a sidetrack, a rabbit trail. And I know what you're thinking. Oh, great, another sermon. I'm, I'm pathetic, I'm miserable. Let's go home. Thank you, some of you laughed. <laughs> it's going to be a long morning. But it's not that. We'll get to the good part. And when we think about this New Year's Eve, and we think about what this <clears throat> year is going to look like, we should be asking the question, why am I striving for these things? Why am I striving for an experience? Why am I striving for trying something new? Why am I doing these things? Why are we going to experiment, or what are we going to experiment this year to please us? Because Solomon, he did all those experiments for one thing, pleasure. He had over 300-something wives and 300 concubines. What? Just for pleasure. He owned, he built all those things for his glory. He became an idol worshiper for his glory, not God's. So what about us? What are we going to do this year or what are we going to look forward to this year to give us pleasure? Is it going to be the new iPhone, right? You can drop in the water now which we've been doing for years. It just never worked out the way we wanted to. Is it going to be the new car, a new house, a new job? And would these things actually determine it was a good year? Would a new car, the new iPhone, a new job, a new house, a new wife, a new husband, better kids, well-behaved kids, would that actually determine that this was a successful year? Today's message, Solomon, is reminding us that when we die, someone else gets our stuff. That is vanity. It's vanity because it never actually fulfills. It's not actually giving us the things that we actually are truly desiring for. It's not actually giving us the happiness that would actually sustain to eternity. Are we going to choose to experiment with pleasure over pursuing a relationship with God? Because if you want to talk about something that's going to sustain, if you want to talk about something that's going to give you joy for eternity, well, that is only and it will forever be, since the beginning of time, a relationship with God. When God created the earth, when he created human beings, it was designed to be in a relationship. And that sustaining and that giving pleasure for eternity. Is this year going to be the pursuit of more and more and more? Because as Solomon will tell you, more will not please you. But only a relationship with God can do that. Let's look at verse 24. We're going to look at the first part. There's nothing better for a person that he should eat and drink and find enjoyment in his toil. Well, that seems like it contradicts everything I just said, right? Hang on. See, culture says, do whatever it takes to be happy. The thing I heard most throughout high school, it was like, man, I just hope he or she is happy. There's this philosophy that the pursuit of happiness is fulfillment. But what makes you happy today will it make you happy tomorrow. 
I do not want to join a punk rock band again. One, my wife won't let me. She doesn't want to see Liberty Spikes in a Mohawk anymore. But what made me happy in high school is not going to make me happy now. So right there, the formula is broken. Happiness is fading. It comes and goes. Uh, Walter Kaiser, he's a Hebrew professor, and he actually says that the translation should optimally be, there is nothing in man to eat and drink and tell himself his labor is good. There's nothing in man to tell himself that the fruit of his labor is good. And that fits perfectly what Solomon's trying to tell us this morning. That wealth, pleasure, knowledge, accomplishment, there's zero, zero nada in man that he can acquire or do that would give him the happiness or peace that he's so desiring and seeking after. I got a question for you all this morning. What are we going to experiment with this year to give us peace? And if peace is missing in your life, most likely, it's probably covered by fear and worry and anxiety. And if there's fear and worry and anxiety, then there's the lack of love. Because 1 John 4.18 tells us that love casts out all fear. So if there's something this, this year that you're already looking forward to and you're, you're anxious and you're worrying about it, love's not there. And you want peace? Love has to come in, which only a relationship with God can fulfill that love. Where are you trying to find peace at? What are you worrying about already in the year? And my question is, is there love? Is love there? Let's finish verse 24 and and go to 25. This is also I saw is from the hand of God. For apart from him, who can eat or who can have an enjoyment? Solomon exposes us to the failures of all of his experiments to show us that he missed in all his efforts the simple enjoyments of God. See what he forgot? That everything was given to him. He forgot that, that God gave him the wisdom that he asked for. That God gave him the kingdom after his father, David. And so when we approach that it is given from God, we can actually enjoy the things in life. See, job, a house, kids, cars, iPhones, and all those things are not bad things. But when they become ultimate things, when they become the things that define you and the things that will define a great year, that's when they become an idol. That's when they become a problem. And God says, you must understand, it's given. Your kids were given. Your car was given. Your job is given. Your boss may sign the check, but that money came from God. That car, God. Students, your grades, God. Your accomplishments were given to you by the hand of God. 
blood. The ultimate experience that we're all searching for is this relationship with God. To understand, to fully know that everything has been given to us by God. And we see this in Colossians 1, uh, Colossians 1, 15 through 17, that all things were created for him, by him, and through him. By him, for him, through him. Everything was created for him. And he graciously gives us a job, family, house, friends, cars, cell phones, have all been given by the hand of God. And when we miss that, we'll end up in despair and lonely because we miss that everything's been given to us by God. And that's actually called grace, right? And we've been given something that we totally don't deserve. Who got gifts this year? Some of you are like, I don't, I don't want to claim it. <laughs> Did, did you guys cure cancer this year? What about world hunger? Anybody build some houses for the homeless? No. So we all got gifts this Christmas, but yet we didn't deserve it. We have done, done nothing to deserve it, but it has been given by the hand of God called grace. See, God doesn't want us to live in despair and like, oh my gosh, I'm a bad person. No, he said, no, I, look, it's been given. Don't you see that I give graciously because I love graciously. Peace and joy are found in a relationship, not in an experience. So this year, if the one thing you want is peace or joy, look no further than a relationship with God. We're going to look at verse 26. For to the one who pleases him, God has given wisdom, knowledge, and joy. But to the sinner he has give, given the business of gathering and collecting, only to give to the one who pleases God. This is also vanity and a striving after the wind. So my question this morning with this is, what are we going to experiment with this year to give us purpose? Because Solomon will say true purpose is only found in a relationship with a God, not an experience. Not trying something new, but yet being new in God. And it's interesting. He said, the one who pleases. And so you might think like, oh, this is for the, you know, this is for the holy of holy people. This is for the people who does everything right and God loves them and they read their Bible 20 times a day. They pray 80 times a day and they help, help old ladies walk across the street. There has been only one person in, in existence that God has ever said, I am pleased with. And guess who it is? All together, say it. Man, your Sunday school teachers are so proud of you right now. Jesus and Matthew is recorded twice. God saying to people out loud, this is my son in whom I am well pleased with. You're searching after that thing that you think, that experience you think you knew. It's in Jesus. The one who God is pleased with is in Christ. 
And so if you're a believer this morning, I want to encourage you to not to forget the gospel. The gospel says that if we recognize our sin, which, you know, we realize that our way is not really the greatest way, and repent of it, that only Jesus can remedy our sin, and we trust in Jesus, we then are united with Christ by faith so God can no longer see us in our sin, but he sees us in union with Christ, his beloved child in whom he is well pleased. And if you're in Christ, God is pleased with you through his son, Jesus Christ. And if you're not a believer this morning, I got a question. Are you tired of running this treadmill of life? Trying to experiment after experience, trying to get this experience that you're so desiring? Are you really satisfied with your purpose? Do you even know your purpose? Are you satisfied of trying something new and it failing you miserably and leaving you empty and dry? I want to encourage you to experiment with Jesus. Trust in Christ. Do not have another year of emptiness and loneliness. It doesn't have to be that way. And if you want to start a relationship with Jesus this morning, I want to encourage you that there's people always in the back. They would love to pray for you. They would love for you to start new this year. To start with something that's going to exist forever. And that's a relationship with Jesus Christ. Our elders, our staff will love to pray with you. And if you're a student here, any, if you see an adult wearing this shirt, they want to talk to you about Jesus. They don't want you to leave this room and go back to school and be unfulfilled. They don't want your identity to be in your grades. They don't want your identity to be in sports, things that's going to leave you empty, dry. But they want you to walk out knowing your God, who is well-pleased with you because of his son's work on the cross. So my punk band ended pretty badly. And that experiment failed. I was dry, empty, and lonely. There was no peace. There was no purpose. Because I was meant for something eternal. I was meant to have a relationship with God which surpasses all experiences. And our peace comes from knowing him. Our pleasure comes from the hand of God. And our purpose comes in trusting in him. So this morning, what I want us to kind of walk away with this morning, I want us to walk away with two things, confession and repentance. Because it's within confession and repentance that opens our heart to worship. I know some of you, you're thinking, oh my gosh, got the kids here, you're running in here, you just kind of jump and sing. We didn't really have time to kind of ponder and think about the things of God. So I want us to take a brief moment 
And just think about the things that we've been chasing, the things that we've been seeking after for peace and purpose in our life. And take a moment, and we're going to kind of confess those things. As we talk, uh, as we take this time in confession and repentance, the worship band's going to come up. So I'm going to invite the worship band to come up. In this moment, I want us to think about a couple of things. I want us to think about in confession the things that we look for in for our pleasure and our peace and our purpose are not really from the from God. Again, these things are not bad things, but when they become ultimate things, when it becomes the things that define us, that's when they become bad. And in repentance, I want us to repent in the things that we seek for, you know, in pleasure and peace and purpose that is our way rather than God's way. And repentance is really turning away from what you've been doing and providing space that God can fill in his rightful place. So if you're my moment, just taking a moment, I'm going to take about just a quick moment, bow your heads. And think about the things that you've been seeking after for that thing that you think, if I had it, I'll be complete. This thing will give me the peace that I've always wanted. What are those things? within true confession and repentance that will give us what our hearts have always been yearning for and that is a relationship with Jesus because it's in that relationship not experience where ultimate enjoyment, peace and purpose are found in Him and we worship the God that has given us true peace and purpose